Hello everyone and welcome to the November 14th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Skarin and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The WCAB issued the end bank decision in Baselli versus Pitco Foods Incorporated on September 27th. The decision concerns the number of days the parties in a represented case must wait after proposing an agreed medical evaluator before requesting a panel from the medical unit. Following the decision, the DWC last week announced a policy on its website to deal with panels that were previously issued. The policy implemented a retroactive application of Maselli, causing uncertainty about the authenticity of panels that may have issued before the Maselli decision in violation of the time limits. In a surprise development, the WCAB limited the holding in the Maselli case to prospective application only. On its own motion, the appeals board granted reconsideration of its prior decision. They then issued a notice of intention to modify its decision to hold that the principle set forth apply prospectively to panel QME requests made after September 26th. The WCAB said that their intention in Maselli was to clarify the existing law on issues not previously addressed in a binding appeals board decision. They did not intend to throw into uncertainty the validity of QME panels previously obtained in ongoing workers' comp proceedings. Nor did they intend to allow parties to challenge the timeliness of a panel request or the validity of panels to which they had not previously objected solely because they were displeased with the makeup of the panel or worse, because the resulting QME evaluation produced a report unfavorable to their client. The new decision will state that if prior to September 26th decision, a panel was prematurely but otherwise properly requested and there was no objection on the ground of prematurity, then the resulting panel may not later be challenged on that ground. The WCAB has allowed 10 days for objection to this new decision to be filed. The Court of Appeal ordered Benson apportionment in a 100% case. Here's what happened in the unpublished opinion of State Compensation Insurance Fund versus Workers' Compensation Appeals Board and James Dorset. Dorset sustained a specific injury to his cervical spine in 2000 while working for South Valley Glass. And he sustained a cumulative trauma injury to his cervical spine while working for ATEC Glass after he returned to work from the first injury. Both employers were insured by the state fund. Dorset filed separate applications to obtain workers' comp benefits from both injuries. The workers' compensation judge determined that Dorset sustained an overall combined permanent disability of 100% and that there is only one injury and that there can be no apportionment under Benson. The work comp judge reasoned that the AME said that the continuous trauma was a compensable consequence of the earlier specific injury and was a direct and natural occurrence of the earlier injury. The AME also said it would not have occurred absent the earlier injury. The state fund filed separate petitions for reconsideration on behalf of South Valley and ATEC. The WCAB denied reconsideration. 
The Court of Appeal, in the unpublished opinion, agreed with the state fund and reversed the WCAB while ordering that permanent disability be apportioned between the two cases consistent with the Benson holding. The Court of Appeal reasoned that apportionment is now based on causation. The new approach to apportionment is to look at the current disability and parcel out its causative sources, non-industrial, prior industrial, current industrial, and decide the amount directly caused by the current industrial source. This approach requires thorough consideration of past injuries, not disregard of them. The clear intent of the legislature in enacting SB 899 was, according to the court, to charge employers only with that percentage of permanent disability directly caused by the current industrial injury. Pursuant to SB 899 and the Brody and Benson decisions, successive injuries to the same body part that become permanent and stationary at the same time can no longer be rated as a single injury. Rather, successive injuries must be rated separately except when physicians cannot parcel out the causation of disability. This decision is very favorable for employers and extends the ability to obtain apportionment in compensable consequence injuries consistent with the intent of SB 899. And now our fraud report. A San Juan Capistrano couple who owned two businesses for gardening and tree trimming were each sentenced to five years in state prison for committing $2 million in fraud. James and Dorothy Klinger pleaded guilty to 29 counts of misrepresenting facts to the state fund, 28 counts of failing to file a return with intent to evade tax, 28 counts of willful failure to pay taxes, five felony counts of misrepresenting facts to a workers' compensation insurance company, and sentencing enhancements for a loss over the financial threshold. The five-year prison sentence is stayed pending successful completion of 10 years of formal probation. The defendants are also ordered to pay $3.4 million in restitution. The Clingers have co-owned and operated Modern Tree Service and JMO's Gardening since the 1970s as two separate companies. Prosecutors say they set up JMO's Gardening with the express purpose of hiding Modern Tree Service employees' payroll. The defendants fraudulently classified JMO's Gardening as a landscaping gardening business instead of a tree trimming business, allowing them to insure tree trimmers as gardeners to substantially lower the insurance premiums. The insurance premium for tree trimmers is a higher cost than the insurance premium for a gardener. In 2009, the state fund audited one of the businesses and found large amounts of money transferred to pay for money and expenses to the other company. The Clingers kept two sets of financial documents, one set of records showing the actual income and payroll expenses for each company, and the other showing an edited version, which was used to underreport lower levels of income and wages to the state and insurance companies. They did not report over half of the actual payroll for both businesses. A former Moreno Valley resident was charged with one count of workers' compensation fraud and one count of concealment of or failure to disclose a material fact regarding insurance benefits. This year, members of the San Bernardino County District Attorney's Office began an investigation into allegations of possible workers' compensation fraud involving Eric Hinkle. 
Hinkle reportedly sustained an industrial injury in 2009 when he claimed that he injured himself while loading and unloading aircraft for a local airline where he was employed. Hinkle received workers' comp benefits. Prosecutors allege that Hinkle lied to a claims examiner about lifting large, heavy items while moving his household in order to continue to receive temporary disability benefits. An arrest warrant showing a bail amount of $100,000 was issued for his arrest, charging him with insurance fraud. On November 2nd, Hinkle was arraigned at the Rancho Cucamonga Superior Court and was subsequently released on his own recognizance. Hinkle is scheduled for a pre-preliminary hearing on December 6th. And in regulatory news, the National Committee for Vital and Health Statistics, or NCVHS, is the committee charged with providing input to the Department of Health and Human Services on making HIPAA standards applicable to property and casualty insurance payers. Specifically, the committee is considering forcing workers' compensation and auto medical insurance carriers to comply with HIPAA. Obamacare requires this committee to make recommendations about adding this requirement to the secretary by January. Experts who will testify before this committee say that there are some HIPAA-mandated transactions that may not fit the workers' compensation and auto casualty lines of business, and these need to be explained in detail to the committee. All meetings of the advisory committee are open to the public. Transcripts are minutes of meetings when they have been completed and any testimony statements or related submissions made available electronically on its website located at www.ncvhs.hhs.gov. The outcome of these committee meetings may be that workers' compensation claims administrators may need to comply with HIPAA privacy regulations in the coming years. And in financial news, AIG reports a staggering third quarter net loss of $4.1 billion. Despite the third quarter loss, analysts remain cautiously optimistic about the future of the company and expect it to continue on its path away from government ownership. While the government still holds a major stake in AIG, the company paid back close to $1 billion in government loans last week. AIG repaid another $972 million to the Treasury using money from last year's sale of American Life Insurance Company. That brought the government's remaining investment to $50 billion. AIG owes the Federal Reserve Bank of New York $17.5 billion in loans that are guaranteed by assets with a market value of about $30.7 billion. The U.S. Treasury Department still holds a 77% stake in AIG following the government's $182 billion bailout. Analysts expect the government to continue with its planned exit from AIG, but any sale will likely be delayed until stock market conditions improve. AIG's third quarter loss of $4.11 billion compares with a $2.52 billion loss for the same period last year. Meanwhile, AIG has authorized the buyback of up to $1 billion in shares depending upon market conditions. The AIG president and CEO was also optimistic about the company's prospects. 
Insurance Commissioner Jones issued a 23-page decision and order directing the WCIRB to adopt an advisory claims cost benchmark at $2.30 per $100 of employer payroll. Jones says that the WCIRB filing demonstrates that insurers are currently charging premiums that are very close to the estimated cost of providing benefits and adjusting expenses. He also noted that the fact that insurers are substantially discounting their manual rates has helped to keep workers' compensation insurance prices generally stable despite increasing costs. The discounting of manual rates demonstrates that competition has been effective in holding down workers' compensation premiums, but this discounting must be carefully monitored in light of actual claims costs to ensure rate adequacy. The Department of Insurance will continue to closely monitor this trend to ensure that discounting is fair and financially responsible. The WCIRB, the Department of Insurance, and the public members of the WCIRB all presented pure premium rate proposals that fell within a narrow range. The State Compensation Insurance Fund announced it has filed a new rating plan with the California Department of Insurance. The plan adopts the Workers' Compensation Insurance Rating Bureau's rate relativity adjustments for new and renewed policies effective this December, but holds the line on its overall rate level. The fund also announced it will increase the group discount for policies insured through the California Farm Bureau Federation starting in January. The Farm Bureau discount benefits eligible farmers and ranchers who have successfully maintained a safe work environment. Although manual rates will increase for some classifications, other changes to state funds rate filing, including the increase in group discount available to qualifying Farm Bureau accounts, will result in an overall decrease in collectible premium of approximately 1%. Insurance Commissioner Dave Jones issued a statement following the State Compensation Insurance Fund's rate submission. He said he was encouraged by SCIF's announcement that its recent workers' compensation rate filing resulting in an overall premium decrease of 1%. He said that SCIF's actions as the largest workers' compensation insurer in California lend support to the fact that there should not be a major increase in the average cost of workers' comp insurance in the state. And in other news, the Division of Workers' Compensation, in conjunction with its vendor partners, will host an electronic filing expo in Oakland on Thursday, December 1st. The event is free and anyone interested in e-filings is encouraged to attend. Electronic filing is the fastest way to get documents into EAMS, the DWC's electronic case management system for the workers' comp courts. There are two ways to file electronically, e-forms and JetFile. JetFile is for large volume filers, while e-forms are better for small to medium users. The December 1st Expo will provide information about and demonstrations of both filing methods. This is the third e-filing expo hosted by the DWC following events in Los Angeles and Van Nuys. But it is the first in Northern California where the division has 10 of its 24 offices. The expo will include a walkthrough of each electronic filing method and its benefits for filers. 
There will be access to tech and business experts who will be available for consultation and questions about each filing method. Also present will be approved software and third-party filing service providers who can demonstrate and answer questions about products that help filers take advantage of the speed and efficiency of electronic filing. The Expo will be held at the Elihu M. Harris Building, Room 1, Second Floor, 1515 Clay Street in Oakland. No registration is necessary. Filers can drop in anytime between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. The program will repeat throughout the day. There will be a one-hour lunch break from noon until 1. Following Oakland, the next expo will be in Santa Ana on Thursday, January 19th. And that's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and for much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. And please drop by again next week for more news.